just for the record. It's not just for the new people. Um, you, can, you don't have to like, you know, out the door. You can, you can stop and say, I know who you are. And so you're welcome to come and stay. But if you are here with us and we'd love to get to know you, we'd love to make new friends. And so if you wouldn't mind texting the word guest to that number, we can help you. We just want to say hi. And so we get to kind of know that you were here and we can say hi to you and, and kind of we can start um, our little friendship uh, right there through our digital methods right there. Also, you know, if, um, if you came prepared to give, we believe that um, in, the, in tithing is in the scripture. It says bring a, t- a tithe back to the house of the Lord. And so if you, this is your church, if you're visiting with us, this isn't for you. But if this is your church and you came prepared to give, you can also give digitally and analog. And if you're digital, you can text giving into that same keyword and do an online giving. Or you can drop um, your giving in through drop boxes that we have um, throughout the building but, uh, but yeah, all that said, we are getting started into a, a series. Last week was the first week in our series, and we're going through the book of Ephesians. We're going through the book of Ephesians. So throughout the summer, we're going to be going kind of section at a time all the way through the book of Ephesians, and it's probably going to take us a few months, maybe two months or so, to get all the way through um, the book of Ephesians. And, and so anyhow, today we are getting right back into it. We are in Ephesians chapter 1. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open them up. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1. You can also follow along with, with the screen. We're going to have verses up on the screen if you happen to forget your Bible. And, uh, and so we're talking about the power of God this morning, the power of God this morning. And so uh, I, I got to start off with a couple of really lame, terrible jokes. I know. Yeah, don't worry. Next week, oh my, OMG. <laughs> Next week is Father's Day, which means the dad jokes are going to be, I don't even know if I'm going to preach. It's just going to be dad jokes for like 30 minutes. And they're going to be terrible. And you're going to groan. And you're going to walk out and be like, that was terrible. But we got root beer floats, so we're good. But, oh, man, uh, next week is going to be like the epic dad joke of all dad joke Sundays. I, I think so. We're talking about the power of God this week. And so I got to say, what did the gardener do um, when he had his power bill shut off? His power bill, he actually, what did he do? He planted a light bulb hoping to get a power plant. No? Yeah, like three of you are like, most of you are like, you're ready to shoot this guy. Yeah. Okay, I know we have some software engineers in the house, so I got to do this one. Um, How many software engineers do you need to change a light bulb? None. It's a hardware problem. Yeah. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man. All right. Where do light bulbs go shopping? At the outlet store. Yes. Yes. You, You know you love it. You know you love it. All right, how many emo kids does it take to change a light bulb? None. They sit in the dark and cry. (laughs) All right, how many Christians does it take to change a light bulb? That's the real one. None. We already have the light. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Listen, electricity can be a powerful thing, can it? Electricity is one of those things that if you really pause and think about it, in our modern world, virtually everything that we do runs with electricity. Oh, no, no, I got a gas furnace in my house, that, so it runs on natural gas. Yeah, but it requires electricity to control the little switchy dudes inside to make the thingy burn, right? Like, like there's electricity inside of it. <laughs> that is the official term. I know, I know. 
right? Like, oh, well, you got to have electricity to run everything in your life. Even your car, your car has more computers in it than, than the, the spaceship that landed on the moon. You know, like there's so much electrical, electronic equipment inside of your car that doesn't just run on gas. It has electricity going through it. Electricity is everywhere in our life. And power is one of those things that, that everybody's looking for newer versions, like, like more renewable, right? We don't want to burn all the fossil fuels and pollute our planet. And, and, and it's causing negative effects on our planet with all the stuff that's being burned. So they're looking for new ways to create electricity, right? Nuclear power, that's one. There's, there's a much lower problems with nuclear power, maybe. And, and maybe it's solar power, or maybe it's hydrogen power. Different kinds of power that, that people stumble into looking for electricity, now, a few years ago at Sandia Labs, uh, there was a family day type thing where you could come out and they gave a tour of the place. Now, this is a long time ago. See, you got to know this about preachers. preachers. If a preacher says the other day, that could have been like 20 years ago. You just got to know. So the other day I was out at Sandia Labs and, uh, and, and at family day, it was like 15 years ago, and they had this, this really, really cool display of solar technology. And I don't know if it's still out there or not, but they had a whole field of mirrors that were out in the desert out there. And they had this tower thing that came up and a crane. And so what they did was we would, we were stood, they came and they had this giant piece of steel. It was like 18 inches thick. And they had a crane and we were able to inspect it. They put it on a dump truck, drove it way out there, hooked it up to a different crane, hoisted it up in the air. And then the mirrors all turned and grabbed the sun and focused the, all of the light of the mirrors all together in the same beam. Um, on, that, on that metal steel plate that they did. And it burned a hole clean through like 18 inches of steel in what seemed like a matter of seconds. It was unbelievable how it harnessed the power of the sun to be able to do that. I just read the other day, yesterday. <laughs> See, the other day kind of applies everywhere. It was literally it was like yesterday the day before about how in the Mojave Desert, they've taken that same basic concept. They have a five square mile solar panel situation where they take mirrors and they focus that, the, the sunbeams onto solar panels on these tower contraptions out in the middle of the desert in order to generate electricity. Isn't that crazy? Like they're, they're harnessing the sun's power to do that. I, I guess they say they kill about 6,000 birds a year that just happen to fly through the the beam of, of the light on accident as they're solar powering something out there in the desert. You don't know what they're, it's a government thing, so you don't know what they're powering. UFOs and stuff. <laughs> Mojave Desert, man, you go look it up, it's there. Listen, the, the, where we get our source of power matters, right? And, and I want to tell you that, sure, it's fun to talk about the electricity that comes into our house or the, or the solar rays that are killing birds or, or, or nuclear power or all that stuff. But listen, there's another kind of power that we have the opportunity to tap into. It's a spiritual power. It's a power that comes from God. Listen, there is something inside of every one of us. There is a spirit inside of every one of us that, that God's spirit wants to live and dwell inside of you. And when you have that, there's a power that comes from God. There's a power that comes from God. See, we're all seeking power in our lives. And I'm not talking electricity. I'm talking about maybe having a little bit of control or influence. Have you ever been in a situation where the circumstances line up and it's not what you would want? And you wish you had the power to control that or, or the influence to change it? We all run through circumstances in our lives from time to time. Everywhere that we look for power in this world, that kind of power, we end up leaving disappointed. We end up leaving disappointed. So many people chase that. And if you listen to our culture and listen to our world, they would say, well, if you had that mansion on the beach, then you'd be satisfied. 
If you had that car, that boat, that truck, you'd be satisfied. If you had that trophy husband or that trophy wife, then you would be satisfied. If you had the exotic vacations everywhere you wanted to go, then you'd be satisfied. Here's the thing, is everything that is enticing on the outside of who we are has great promises to be able to satisfy what's happening on the inside of who you are. But here's what I found. I have friends that are, have lots of money and friends that have no money. I personally have had no money and then some medium money. Uh, lots is relative. But do you know what I mean? Like I've, I've had different things. And I found this, and I think you found this to be true also. No matter what you apply from the outside in, there might be a moment of satisfaction, but it's fleeting. And so when you try to apply the outside coming in, it doesn't last. You end up being disappointed. What you thought was going to be a solution to your problem ends up not being a solution at all. In fact, sometimes it becomes an even greater problem after you've applied the outside source coming in. So I want to challenge you with this, is that if you want to find real power and what the power of God offers you, you need to tap into something that comes on the inside and works its way out. And that's a supernatural kind of power that, that is talked about all through the scripture, all through the scripture. So here we are, we're in Ephesians chapter one, we're in the second half of Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, the entire chapter is only two sentences. I don't know if you know that. Last week we looked at one sentence, this week we're looking at a second sentence. This guy needs to work on his grammar skills. It just goes on and on and on. And so here we go. We're in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 through, it's going to be, I think, 23 is what we're going through throughout the course of today. And so Paul is actually writing this letter to the Ephesians, the church in Ephesus. He's writing this letter to them from jail. Like he's, he's locked up in prison. He's been there for some time. He's been there in years, for several years. Um, he got locked up for preaching the gospel, for, for, for preaching Jesus around places. And so he was one that he actually was in Ephesus helping the church get started for a few years. And then he left and kept going and traveling and, and helping launch churches and plant churches while simultaneously encouraging other churches that were going. He was like that traveling apostle going around, helping the church expand and grow and, and, and be healthy. Well, here he is writing a letter from jail. Locked up in prison. It's, it's amazing that you know, my letters would not be what his letters are. My letters would be, help, get me out of here. His, his letters are encouraging people to continue the faith. To continue the faith, even though he is in the midst of facing his own persecution. You see, Ephesus, the city of Ephesus where the church is located, that he's writing to, is, is a, a, kind of the crown jewel of Asia Minor. See, history would show us that there are some 230 cities along the coastline of Asia Minor at this time. And Ephesus was the largest. It was the largest city on the coastline at the time. It was founded in order to command one of, uh, one of the major highways of commerce throughout the region. You see, while other cities had natural harbors facilitating trade and travel, the harbor in Ephesus, along with its proximity to the major highway, made Ephesus a favorite of many. So Ephesus grew and grew and grew. Now over time, the harbor ended up filling with silt and it made it harder for the ships to, to dock as, as time went forward, but they diversified along the way. And so now you have this busting, buzzing metropolis, I can imagine, towers of skyscrapers. Okay, maybe not skyscrapers. But it was a prosperous city in more ways than one. You see, it, it continued to thrive. It boasted a temple to the goddess Diana, which created a lucrative business for gold and silversmiths who made idols for those who came to Ephesus for worship. So Paul knew that those who were saved by grace were rich beyond measure. 
So having shared the varied spiritual blessings available in Christ in the opening of this greeting, Paul desired the church there to comprehend the spiritual wealth available in Christ. So here we go. We have a city that has grown. It's wealthy. There's money all around. People are gaining in physical, tangible goods. They're, they're probably buying the mansions on the beach with the yachts and the boats and, the, you know, and, and doing the, the money thing. And they're, you know, they, they got it all going. Right? They have the physical, material wealth around them. They got the gold. They got the silver. They got it all going. But he's saying, Paul's saying this. He says, look, I want you to understand that in the midst of your physical, natural wealth, there is a spiritual blessing that is to be had here. That don't neglect that. How funny, couldn't we say the same thing about our culture, right? Couldn't we say the same thing about our world? We all drove here in cars, or most of us did, drove here in a car. Uh, that's a, that's a, in, a, in a global sense of, of the word, that's quite a luxury. We all live in houses with roofs and running water and electricity and plumbing. Like, like in, in the, again, in the global sense, we all live in the lap of luxury when you look at a, the, the world as a whole. But you start to look at our country. Our country has an incredible amount of wealth, but even inside our own country, we start to divide lines between levels of wealth, don't we? It's so funny. Like even, even the poorest amongst us are still richer than most of the world. But yet the poorest amongst us will, in our country, will start to look at the middle class. Well, then guess what? Once you get to the middle class and you're doing that well, it's not too hard to look a little further down the road and say, gee, there's somebody else that has something a little bit more than I do. I would argue that the people in Ephesus were facing some of the same um, moral dilemmas that you and I face on a regular basis. The materialistic wanting of more. And what Paul is saying is, in the midst of your physical, tangible blessings here, there is a spiritual blessing that you could overlook. And so church, I want you to see this, just like what he's going to say here, is that there is a spiritual blessing that I don't want you to overlook. All right, so Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. So, so Paul has this strong devotion to the church, and Ephesus was really no exception. They had a reputation that was known far and wide. He says, for this reason, I have, I have heard your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all the saints. Word on the street is that the church in Ephesus has a lot of faith and a lot of love. You see, their faith, these weren't fringe believers. These weren't half-hearted people. They were all-in kind of people. They didn't kind of give their life to Jesus. They had completely given their life to Jesus. Along with this is that in the midst of this city that was known for making idols and gods, for a, a, a plural deity-type society that they lived in, in the Greek society there, there was lots of gods. These guys were faithful to one God. You and I have a lot of things that we could worship. But what are we known for? What are you known for? Are you known for your faith? Are you, what are you known for? Are you known for your faith in God? Because these guys were. Is it evidenced by our daily lives? Do we walk around complaining all the time? Or do we walk around speaking faith everywhere that we go? Because I'll tell you this, is that circumstances in life will come against us. There's, there is no guarantee in the gospel, that we are going to have an easy life. The guarantee is that Christ will always be with us in the midst of our trials and our struggles. And so when you face a trial and struggle, who do you praise? Who are you confessing with your mouth? What are you saying everywhere that you go? Gee, I got this thing. I can't believe this. The cat got sick. I got to 
take it to, to the vet, you know, or my car broke down and I'm not sure how I'm going to, or are you saying, you know what, I got these trials in my life, but I serve a God who's bigger than those trials, right? Are you known for your faith? Are you known for complaining about the circumstances in life? Their love, their love for all the saints, not just the ones in their church or the ones that they agreed with 100%. Listen, if you hang around here long enough, you're going to find out you don't agree 100% with anybody in this place. You know what I mean? Like, because we're all unique people and we're all following the Lord, but, but there's even things in the Bible where we see it just a little bit differently from time to time. If you're married, you know that you don't always 100% agree with your spouse. So the husband needs to, he needs to change what he does and, and then they'll be back in line again, right? But do we still love those with whom we may disagree with from time to time? That's a big deal right now. That's one of the things about our country that is causing some big friction. Is that if you don't agree, if you disagree with somebody else, you can't be their friend anymore, right? Isn't that what they basically are saying? Whether it's, it's a political agreement or a religious agreement, or it's like, well, if we can have a difference of opinions, that's one of the things about our, our society that's fantastic is that we should be able to have a difference of opinions, but to be able to still be friends and that iron sharpen iron, as the word, as the Bible says in the church, right? Like, well, if you and I have a slight disagreement on the way something happened in, in the Bible, we have a little bit of a different perspective, that should challenge us together to find that friction point and find out what is the real truth and what we believe. Right? Not, not, shouldn't be a dividing point where, like, I can't even be your friend anymore. I'm not, I can't even go to this church anymore. Like, like, this guy over here said that, you know, the pastor said, yeah, you hang around me long enough, I'm going to say a lot of th- dumb things. But, but you know, you, you, that shouldn't be something that divides us. It should be something that helps us be united. It should be something that helps us to grow stronger together as a body of believers. Can we love those whom we disagree with from time to time? And in verse 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Paul has a lot to talk about prayer in the Bible. In fact, all through the New Testament, he talks about this idea of praying constantly, prayer without ceasing. You see this all the time. In fact, I think it's in, um, it's in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says praying without ceasing. In Romans 12, it says be devoted to prayer. In Ephesians 6, in a few weeks, we'll get there, praying at all times. Colossians 4 says, devote yourself to prayer. You see, Paul was continually, you know, was committed to continually offer gratitude for the church, and he was committed to praying for its well-being. What you are thankful for, you become committed to. What you're thankful for, you become committed to. Listen, if your marriage is having some problems... If you're like having some tension in your marriage relationship, find a way to be thankful for some things in your spouse's life. Is it all perfect? No, 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 it's not. And it kind of never will be because we're all humans and we're different. Find some things in your spouse to be thankful for. Pray for them and say, I, I, God, I thank you that you gave me my spouse. And I know there's this part over here that it's kind of rubbing me wrong, but thank God for all the other stuff that's good that's going on in life. What you become thankful for, you become committed to. Be thankful for your kids, the ones that are driving you bananas right now. Find a way to be thankful for them. The ones, be, find a way to be thankful to them. That job, that boss, I know you guys got that boss. I don't because I work for God, but... Um, 
<laughs> but, my, but you have that boss, right? And, and you have that boss and you, and you say, you know, I, he's, he's crazy. She's crazy. I, I, can't, I can't deal with it anymore. Find a way to be thankful for pieces that are there. God, put that person in your life for a reason. Your kids are your kids for a reason. Your spouse is your spouse for a reason. And God is trying to do something in your life and through your life. Find the pieces you can be thankful for. Thank God for them and thank them for them. You'll find that your thankfulness grows your commitment. So he was prayerful. So many times the demands of life can keep us from our prayer time. Why well, should you pray a little more? But I got to get up. I got to do this. I got that going on. You wake up instantly. What's the first thing you do? Well, maybe grab your phone and check your email or your social media. Who liked all my stuff last night? Got to know. Got to reply to the comments, you know. I mean, not too soon reply to the comments because there's like, what's the, what's the timing? I don't know what the timing is, but there's a timing, you know. There's like a, a five-hour rule or something because you can't look too desperate or too thirsty online. So you got to reply the right way. So he was, he was prayerful. Listen, he was prayerful, but so many times there's things in our life that want to interrupt our prayer time with the Lord. Listen, if the devil can't make you bad, he's going to make you busy. And he will get you so busy that you neglect the things in your life that build your faith. Prayer is one of the biggest pieces in your life that can help build your faith. Prioritize your time. Don't let your, time, your, your world run you. You can then run your world. Don't let your circumstances drive you. You can drive your circumstances. For most people, they have great intentions. But they let the external forces dictate their direction. Listen, you've got to spend time in prayer to hear the direction that God wants you to go. You spend time in prayer. God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? What's the path you have for me? What should I do here? Not every door that opens in your life is a God door. Some doors open up and you're like, should I go down this door? Listen, does God tell you to go down that door? Maybe you should, maybe you shouldn't, right? Just an open door doesn't necessarily mean that it's God's will, right? So you gotta say, God, where do you want me to go? And when you spend time in prayer and say, God, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to approach this stuff? What happens is that now when circumstances come at you in life, you have a perspective, a God perspective, I might add, that you're able to be able to see it filter it, and don't let the external circumstances control your life. You're now in a position where you can say, no, I know what God wants me to do. Listen, prayer is critical, folks. Prayer is an absolute foundational piece of our life. Paul knew it. He talked about it constantly. And here he is thanking God for these people and praying for them and praying for them. Find that, verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your heart enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of this glorious inheritance in the saints? Spirit of wisdom, eyes of hearts enlightened. My heart doesn't have eyes. It has chambers. What is this eyes of heart? Right? It, I don't see. If I could see, it will be dark in there. So, listen, this is a big deal. My prayer right now is that everyone who can hear this, who listens this morning, is that, is that you would tap into this. The eyes of your heart would be enlightened and that you would have the spirit of wisdom. Think about this though, right? In this moment in time, in Ephesus, the world was mesmerized by philosophy. The great thinkers and the, the, the prevalent, uh, they were prevalent in that age and, and there was like this zest for knowledge. It's like everybody wanted to have as much information as possible on their fingertips. In this quest for knowledge, they're just looking for more and more answers and, and like how to, hold on, let me Google it real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
Back then, they, they were looking for knowledge and answers, and we have now at our fingertips this quest for information, and we have the ability to Google it. We have the ability to search it out, and it's almost like the facts that we can find are, are what we're, we're looking for. People are looking for this quest for knowledge and information. They were doing the same thing then. See, Paul didn't desire the church to possess more secular knowledge, but the wisdom of God and an understanding of his person and his purpose. See, as Christians, we have access to the wisdom of, that, that God gives and the revelation of himself to those who seek him. People are searching everywhere. They're searching. They're looking for something. They're looking for purpose. They're looking for a passion. They're trying to understand why am I here? What am I doing? And I'm telling you, when you go directly to God, he will help you find that. Guys, we have good news in so many levels, and that's one of them, is that we can find our purpose and our passion from God. William Randolph Hearst, he was a newspaper tycoon. You guys remember, you guys remember those? <laughs> Pieces of paper, they rolled them up, they threw them on your driveway. It was like the only way to get news for a long time. Newspaper tycoon. Oh, I've never subscribed to a newspaper, so I, I, I know what they are. It's not a museum. Newspaper tycoon owned papers. This guy owned papers in 30 different cities. He started off with one. It was his dad's paper. He inherited it and it kind of grew, and he ended up taking over newspapers in, in 30 different cities. So this guy is incredibly wealthy at the time. So he read about this extremely rare piece of art, very valuable, and he wanted to find it. And so he commissioned his his guy, his art consultant, to go, go find this piece of art because he's an art collector. I'm an, he's an avid art collector. Please go find it. I'll pay whatever they want. Just, just go find it and, you know, and, and pay your commission, whatever. Like, go find this art for me. And the guy went off. He's like, no problem. I'll go find it. A few months later, he comes back and he says, sir, I found the art. And the guy says, great. What do you want? What, you know, what, what's the price? What is it? And he says, it's actually, um, it's already in your warehouse. You bought it already. <laughs> You've owned it for several years now. Didn't even know what he had. As Christians, sometimes we don't even know what we have. We start, we have the spirit of the almighty God living inside of us because we've invited him in. We've given him place. And he's right there. He's saying, ask me for wisdom. Ask me to enlighten the eyes of your heart so that you can see with spiritual eyes, not your physical eyes. He's right there. All you have to do is ask him. He's, you already have him. He's in your warehouse. But yet we go out other places looking for things, don't we? We, we go other ways and, and try to, maybe this will make me feel better. Maybe, maybe that will make me feel better. Circumstances in life are coming along and, and I'm having a hard time controlling it. And, and, and maybe this will help me and maybe that will help me. We start to reach for these external things that honestly we're trying to fill an internal hole. But God says, I'm already there. I'm already in you. Will you just ask me to help you? Church, if you get nothing out of today, get that. Your prayer life is critical to your internal happiness because the Lord wants to fill you up. He wants to keep you whole. If you have the Spirit of God living in you, listen, you didn't get part of the Holy Spirit when you accepted him into your life. It's not like there was a line of people walking up asking God for the Holy Spirit and he's like got a list. And he's like, mm, 
you're, uh, you're a C-level Holy Spirit person. Okay, here you go. Oh, you're an A-level. We're going to give you the A-level Holy Spirit. No, there's only one Holy Spirit. He's already given it to you. Right? You didn't get part of it. You didn't get like the lower grade <laughs> Holy Spirit. You didn't get the fraction. You're like, okay, I got part of it, but I got to work really hard to get the next part. You know, I'm saving up for you know, the second installment of the Holy Spirit. You didn't get something special. You got it. Here's what happens, though. Sometimes I'm, Christians will feel like they have to get more of the Holy Spirit. And, and so they'll go chasing conferences. They'll go chasing experiences. They'll go chasing, well, so-and-so is coming to town to preach. And I'm not saying don't go to it. Go to it. That's, that's totally fine. I just, I just want to make sure that you, that you understand this, that that, that person isn't gonna, it doesn't have something that you don't have. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and that guy. Right? The same Spirit. Right? You don't have to go to that guy to get something from God. You can go directly to God. Some people are chasing church conferences and special speakers are like, like storm chasers, you know, hoping to see something different or so, something uh, different that they haven't already experienced in, in, in their life. Uh, and I'm not saying don't go because, because I'm telling you God can work through those things, but make sure that your heart is right. You understand that the same Spirit's in you. That person has the same Holy Spirit that, that you have. Yeah? Three of you. That's good. That's good. I know I might be stepping on some toes there with that one. They talk about getting more of Jesus and more of the Holy Spirit, but you, you've got it. As if the resources of God are like unlocked by some spiritual combination that only like an initiated few know the combo. You see, in James chapter 1, verse 5, it says that the Lord has promised to provide wisdom to those who earnestly seek it. If you want the wisdom of God, ask Him for the wisdom of God. And if you're earnestly seeking Him for the wisdom of God, He's going to give it to you. He's going to give it to you. And in 2 Peter, it says, according to his divine power, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You're facing a tough set of circumstances. You need the power to overcome it. You don't need something on the outside. God's already given it to you on the inside. That's all you got to do is say, God, help me get through this. God, I need your wisdom to understand this. This seems like a lose-lose situation in my life. God, how am I going to get past this bump in the road? I don't know how, but God, I know you do. So God, give me your wisdom to see it that way. Open the eyes of my heart to see it the way that you see the situation, right? God, give me your perspective because my perspective is a little cloudy right now. I got a lot of trees in the forest and I can't see where the, everything needs to go. So God, I'm gonna call on you to help me. And when you earnestly seek him, he's faithful to deliver. And in verse number 19 and what is the immeasurable greatness of this power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of heavenly places? The greatness of his power towards those, towards us who believe. I don't know if we can fully comprehend the power of God. I don't know if we can. In fact, I want to say this is that... We serve a God who is bigger than me, who's bigger than you. So many times I read stuff in the scripture, and, and I got to tell you, there's a lot of stuff I understand, but there's some stuff that I, I'm like, I don't fully understand this, and I know that I don't fully understand it. If you're ever reading the scripture and you feel like, I don't fully understand that, yeah, you're in good company, um, because all of us here have times where we read sections of scripture and we're like, huh, I don't really understand that part. Okay. You know, you can, you can seek the Lord and study it. You could gloss over it and come back to it later. But, but I just want you to know that, that not everything in Scripture is fully understood by everybody all the time. 
And so here's the thing, is that, is that I know that God's thoughts are higher than my thoughts. His ways are higher than my ways. Sometimes the way that God does things, and I don't fully understand. Like, why did God spit on the ground, make mud, wipe it in the guy's eyes, and have his sight come back? Like, that just seems gross and weird to me. I got to say this. If I were to fully understand everything that God did, that means God would have fit in my understanding and logic. And it won't happen. If you want to fully understand God and think, I understand every aspect of who God is, I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's possible. I think he is too big of a God to fit into our understanding and logic. An infinite God going to fit in your finite mind? It's not going to happen. There will be things that you don't understand. That's why they call it faith. Because there's a point where you're just going to have to say, I believe and trust God all the way. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to worship a God that fits in my mind. If I can fully understand, fully comprehend every aspect of who God is all the way through and and understand everything that he did and why he did it and and everything. Well, now I've reduced the size of God down to something that fits into this this brain, which isn't very big. (laughs) I mean, I'm just, right? I'm not going to worship something that is a finite God. I'm going to worship a God who is infinite who is all-knowing, all-powerful. I don't think we can understand the greatness and the power of God and the greatness of his power towards those who believe. But the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet And gave him his head of all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are the body of Christ. And his power comes into us, resides into us. And when we tap into that power, we start to be able to do things that God is asking us to do. We start to find ourselves sometimes in places we wouldn't normally put ourselves in. Saying things to people that we maybe not have would have said anything to all being the hands and feet of Jesus, helping to encourage people and point people back to Jesus. If the band would come, I'm going to wrap up. See, a closer relationship with God requires three things. It requires love. A closer relationship with Jesus requires love. Thanking God, remembering people in your prayers, remembering God in your prayers, desiring to know God better. A closer relationship with God requires love. It requires open heart eyes. It talks about the eyes of your heart in the Bible. So how do you open heart eyes? Open the eyes of your heart. Your your heart eyes have to be open. You have to be open on the inside in your spirit to receive what God wants to say to you. And you have to be willing to be able to see with your spirit what God is telling you and showing you. There's a sensitivity there that you have to have internally to be able to see what God wants you to see. To be able to extend beyond just the natural realm into the supernatural realm. So opening the eyes of our heart, what does that even mean? You need spiritual enlightenment to see spiritual things. So knowledge of the hope that God has called you to. Knowledge of your rich inheritance in Christ. and Knowledge of your power in Christ. The third thing is this, is that you got to depend on the power of God. you got to depend on the power of God. You see, God wants to fill up your spiritual tank, if you will. 
and you can't fill it up. I grew up in the state of Oregon. I was born in Portland, Oregon. And in Oregon, it's illegal to pump your own gas, if you know that. So gas prices are significantly higher because they have to pay extra labor rates for people to come pump your gas. I think they think that we don't know how to do it, or I don't know. I'm not sure why. Maybe there was enough people stealing gas and running off that they made a law. But you can't pump your own gas in Oregon, and, and uh, at least you, they couldn't last time I was there. And so when I was there, you know, you, you pull up in your car and you roll down your window and there's an attendant and, and, they, and you say, fill her up. And, you know, and they say, would you like lead it or diesel or what, what, you know, what kind of, what number you want, 86, 95, whatever, you know. And you tell them what, you, what kind of fuel you want and they, 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 they go and they, they put it in there and then they, they, you hand them your card and then they, they literally turn around and they put it into the machine just like you and I do, you know. And, 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 do you want a receipt? No, okay, yeah. And there's 20 questions now, by the way, you know, and all the different questions and, they, and they're, they're doing the thing and, and, then, and then they finally fill it all up and they're like, thank you, sir, ma'am, you have a great day. And you're like, all right, thanks. And you, and you, and you, and you drive off, you know. And li- listen, you can't fill up your own tank. Your spiritual tank, you just can't. You can't. It's just against the rules of how it works. The only thing you can do is be intentional about saying, God, will you fill it up? Will you fill me up? You have direct access to the source. There was a uh, parade in California about five years ago. And um, there's a whole line of floats going down. One of the floats ran out of gas and, and stopped and backed up the whole parade. And, um, and, and then there's this backup for miles, a huge thing. Someone had to go run and get a gas tank and fill it up. And then they had to go figure out how to get gas in this thing to get it, to get it going. Ironically, it was like a Phillips 66 float, like a gas station float that, that ran, out of, ran out of gas, you know. You can have the right names and the right labels. But if you're not tapping into the source, you're going to run out of power. You're going to run out of influence. You're going to run out of what you need to get through life. You can call yourself a Christian, but if you're not tapping in, it doesn't matter if your tank's not full. So church, my prayer is this, is that everyone here would tap in to that power. Don't just call yourself a Christian, but make the time to find yourself in prayer and asking God for wisdom, asking God to fill your tank. He wants to give it to you. You just got to ask. Will you bow your heads and pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you have given us everything that we need. God, I thank you that there's not different grades of the Holy Spirit. There's not different grades of, of you. God, you just give all of you to everyone. God, I ask that... Um, that you would help fill the tank on everyone that's here. God, help us to not use you as a last resort, but as the first step. God, when we face trials and tribulations, when when things in life aren't going the right way and we're looking for um, the solution to get through, God, let us not start with our ways. Let us start with your ways, God. Help us to fill the tank with you. you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you might be here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. I want to tell you that making the decision to follow Jesus, choosing to accept him into your life, doesn't mean your life is going to have less troubles. doesn't mean your life is going to have less bumps along the way. All it means is that you have Jesus who's going to help you and the Spirit of God inside of you that will help you overcome these things in life. Not only that, it gives you a relationship with your Creator. It provides purpose into your life. And today's the day that you can make that decision to follow him. And so I don't know where you're at or or in your life, but if today's the day you want to make that decision, you can do it right here. You can do it right now. 
And, and here's where the start of this is, is that we're going to say a prayer together in a moment, everybody here, and you can join in with us. And if you join in with us and you say, I'm sincerely making this decision to follow Jesus, just pray with us. You know, this is one of those things that even as a Christian, this is a prayer that we have to pray on a regular basis. Yeah, I'm making a decision. I'm choosing you, Jesus. So church, will you pray with me? And if you'd like to make that decision, you can join in with us. Please repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today I choose you. Come live in my heart. Help me to seek you first. Help me to follow you all of my days. I believe that you are the Son of God and that you died on the cross for my sins. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, church, let's celebrate those who may have prayed with us this morning. I want to tell you that if you made a decision to follow Jesus, you can text in um, uh, the decided right in here. It's going to be 55348 on the screen. And it will say, you text that in there. Let me know. I want to help connect you. Um, I want to help you get on your next steps. If you don't get it here, it is on your bulletins. And we'd love to help you get connected on your next steps in following Jesus. Let's, church, let's stand one last time and sing another song before we leave.